0: Hello and welcome to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Ephraim Martinez. I am a principal in search of wisdom, and I have found productivity to be a great tool for success. Today we are discussing the lessons from Build Leadership Momentum, how to create the perfect principal entry plan with the author Danny Bauer who has been in this show before as a principal transitioning into a new position I searched for the literature on entry plans and I learned about this great resource the book walks us through the developing an effective 90-day entry plan for a year of excitement energy and momentum Danny Bauer is a principal development and retention expert, the best selling author of Mastermind, unlocking talent within every school leader and the better leaders, better schools roadmap and the host of not one, but two of the most downloaded podcasts (laughs) in the world. Danny was a guest here in Wisdom and Productivity on September 16, 2021. And it was really a luxury to go back to that recording and learn from his wisdom and productivity. Danny, how are you feeling?
1: Was it really 2021? I, Can you I, I feel like that? I was just on the show? Oh my! Gosh.
0: <laughs> it was just uh, like like it looks like a long time ago. The podcast was in in mm. the beginning stages. I used yeah. to record with a phone with the speaker of the computer so the audio was not the best but you know you go learning and improving from time to time (laughs) and here we are
1: (laughs) congrats you know i'm glad you i'm glad you have not uh succumbed to pod fade right many podcasters start out and then disappear and your show and your voice is an important one in education so I'm, I'm glad that you're not only still standing, but thriving. Uh, this is a great podcast.
0: Thank you so much. I appreciate Danny. Sometimes uh, imposter syndrome attacks and you feel, I'm going to uh, stop doing this. But the the passion and excitement I feel every weekend when I get to interview uh, interesting people like you uh, keeps me going. So I'm so glad to be here. So let's talk about this Build Leadership Momentum. I have the Kindle version because I have the luxury to do a pre-reading before everybody gets to to do it. (laughs) Can you tell us about the origin story of this book?
1: You know, yeah, the origin story is easy. So last year I did a five or six day online challenge. This is something I learned new from my coach is a great way to, to serve people, right? Uh, I have tons of content and ideas and want to help, right? My mission is to connect, grow, and mentor every school leader who wants to level up, right? And there's a lot of leaders who want to grow. Um, and we have paid for you know programs, and then there's there's free stuff we put out there. So anyways, I do this online challenge. I called it the back-to-school boot camp, and uh, a whole bunch, like, I don't know, 500. I mean, there are a lot of leaders who signed up for that one. And the idea was just to walk them through creating an entry plan as they got ready for the start of the school year. And what I didn't realize at the time, like I knew that the content would be helpful, that a template and a framework would be helpful, but I didn't know that so many people just didn't have anything, anything at all. This really was shocking to me. So after facilitating this online experience seeing so many leaders right benefit from going through it like one one leaders uh john unger who's a principal in arkansas we we're, were i was interviewing afterwards like hey what was the value and he said hey danny before this like there were a lot of things that kept me up at night and all the things were going to get done but i was always just constantly overwhelmed and stressed right and i couldn't rest and he said once i had your template and put it into practice, all the stress was gone. That's what he said, all the stress was gone. So I'm like, wow, okay. We need to put this content into the form of a book and and you read it, you you could read it in an hour, 90 minutes tops. My goal was to create something that was extremely practical, no fluff. You just get the result, right? Create that entry plan right out of the gates with as few words as possible. And I think we've over-delivered on that idea. And that's how we got to the book.
0: Beautiful. I, I do appreciate that part of the book because you are right. Sometimes we have these massive books. And after you read the first or second chapter, it's a repetition of the same story, right? And you end up not reading yeah. them and perhaps feeling guilty that you have not been wise enough to keep reading. But this book goes to the point and it has multiple tools to guide you through that Mm. process so imagine you're a first-year principal and you are you are guiding us what exactly is an entry plan and how can an entry plan help principals achieve their goals
1: well to me you know it's it's just a a very solid start to a school year in a stress-free start to the school year it's it's you know, if you're an NFL fan, right, which is quite popular, at least in the United States, uh, you see that the, the coaches, the players, they have the first 10, 15, 20 uh, plays mapped out like this is what we're doing. Right. And from there, you know, they pivot and they make adjustments in the game. But the principalship is no different than playing in the NFL in that if you are setting yourself up for success, you need to plan for that. Right. There's a Stoic philosopher, Seneca, who basically said, you know, if one does not know to which port one is sailing, then no wind is favorable, right? The wind of the start of the school year, right? Sometimes they use the metaphor as a train, right? Once the train has left the station, like there's no going back. So do you understand that you're hopping on that train or you're in the metaphorical boat? Wind is at your sails. But do you know the destination of where you're going? And what I found, at least doing the the challenge, and it's my gut. You know, I've really learned to trust my intuition. That's one of my strengths and superpowers. I just figured, I think this is an opportunity because I don't know about you. I If it's okay, you know, to ask you a question on the show.
0: Absolutely. My
1: lived experience, like, nobody gave me an entry plan. There was no coaching and mentorship around that, right? And I would I, love to hear, like. Is that the same or no?
0: I thought that when you come in, uh, you're, I was in an urban uh, district. So the, sure. the urban district has the, the, the networks. I thought the network yep. would tell me, okay, this is your plan for you to follow. And then we have the local school council that is your equivalent to the board. I thought they would tell me, this is the plan for you to follow. And at some point I even mm. thought, well, I take it day by day. And um, absolutely, Seneca is right. If you don't know where you're going, <laughs> you're going nowhere.
1: Yeah, it's so it's that's pretty wild, right? I think I think it's the common experience. There's no entry plans shared, there's no templates, there's not a lot of coaching and mentorship. You know, I was just talking to a leader who joined our, our leadership program, the ruckus maker mastermind community. And she moved to a new location, was an assistant principal. And the, the current principal, of course, caught COVID, right? How, how uh, convenient. And uh, so the AP had to open school in this new, you know, new location. She crushed it. She did a great job. She really did. And the system noticed, right? So within like three weeks, four weeks of the principal coming back, they're like you are now principal of a new campus. We need you over here, so you know the board in 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 your your boss, the superintendent, says you're moving to a school. You do it, and she went to the board meeting, fanfare, celebration, pictures. Here's the keys. There we go. There's the video. There's the keys. Good luck. Good luck. <laughs> what? Like that's. That's the way you are mentored into right your first principalship mid year. Good luck. Here's the keys, and so this is just this is low hanging fruit. I'm surprised actually that there's not a lot of books out there on the topic. I know you just had somebody on the show uh, oh. that did that did uh, write a book on entry plans, but. That was actually the only other book I found on the topic and I didn't, I didn't realize it was releasing right around the same time too. Correct. There are a few other, there are a few other books you really have to dig to find them. Uh, and so I, I think, um, you know, whether it's mine or, or my colleague that you had on the show, at least there's support now. Right. And there's a roadmap. And I think the edge, you know, if, if I talked about like why pick up build leadership momentum again, If you gift yourself a deep work block of time, let's say three hours or so to really do some strategic thinking, you could actually read the book, understand the content, have annotated the book and drafted out your first draft of an entry plan. And I think that's, you know, that's an awesome way to get started in the school year. Beautiful.
0: Thank you so much, Danny. So, Danny, uh, why 90 days and why this plan is really never done? Or completed, I should say.
1: Yeah. You know, that, that is a fun part of the book. You know, I I 90 days is how I, I'll answer that in a second, but that's how I love the plan. And I've been doing that since like 2016. It's just it's it seems like the right cadence, but the plan is never done for two reasons. One, I invite the reader to think about day ninety one, right? So what's going on there? That's the day after your 90 day plan is complete. And there's a there's a thinking exercise that I learned from uh, Dan Sullivan. I'm in his program called Strategic Coach, but he came up with a question that I love to use all the time, too, which is essentially, you know, imagine yourself in the future. So in this case, day 91. And imagine that you are just thrilled with the progress that you've seen, you know, in your life and leadership and in this case, uh, the the development and the momentum that you've created on campus, what, what do you see? And I like beginning with the end in mind and exploring just all the success and great stuff that you've been able to create as a school leader, because that that's now connecting that back to the Seneca quote, that's the destination, right? So let's chart out the path to get there. And you could very intentionally do that. 90 days is great because it's not too short where you feel super stressed out, right? Or there's just not enough time to get stuff done. It's also not too long where you procrastinate, right? We all know if you've got like a whole bunch of space, you know, oh, I'll, I'll get to it one day, right? Uh, and the other thing too, with modern school leadership, if you make plans too, too far out. They're just going to change like the world is evolving. So like, hello, here's Chad GPT, and all schools are like losing their minds. You know what I mean? I think it's a tool. Personally, Chat GPT is now an employee, right? Within Amen. my business. Uh, and it's not perfect. You know, I had it do something for me and it hallucinated and made just made up stuff. Right. Because I you have to check. You have to check this stuff. So that's not a good, and they'll figure that out. But sometimes, you know, here's a clear example. On social media, I like to ask questions that get people engaged, right? Well, I could take the time, and I should, right, thinking about questions that that I like uh, to ask. But sometimes I say, hey, give me 10 provocative questions I could ask about school leadership. That's a, good that's a great way to use it. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, funny, I don't want to make this a chat GPT episode, but... Um, the other day I needed to write a, uh, well, I was telling you before we hit live, right? I have that live event in Denver and I needed to send an email to, um, remind people there were a few tickets left. And at this point there might've been like five or six tickets left. And so I basically told chat GPT, here's six pages of a Google doc that I've actually explained the event. And I talk about the benefit and why it's different and how you'll grow. And I said, rewrite it, make it 300 words so I could send it out in an email and invite some more people to my event. And you know what I did, Ephraim? Yeah. I took a nap. <laughs> I went to bed. You know, I felt tired that afternoon and I slept for 20 minutes, chat GPT, rewrote something. I read it over. I would give it a 70 to 80% uh accuracy score in terms of my voice i massaged and revised the rest you know what i mean and then i put it out and guess what two people joined the denver program so that brought us down to like three tickets and now there's two tickets left so um it's it's now on the team all right i got a little sidetracked from that No, but that's a
0: great example on how leaders can capitalize on the new technologies to do the work in a smart way rather than in a hard way.
1: Well, and here's the thing, you know, it plagues education and before I die, I will have solved this problem for the leaders I support. You can't be a jack of all trades. You shouldn't be a jack of all trades. Schools that try to be everything to everyone create a very average or mediocre experience. It's just not that good. It's not bad, but it's not good, right? Goldilocks would taste the porridge of your school and say, eh, it's okay, right? <laughs> I want schools and school leaders to be great. And to be great, you have to choose to be great at a few things. So, in this example of AI, my superpower is not my ability to write questions, you know, being with you or coaching, like presence. Asking the right question at the right time, that's a superpower. My live events, that's a superpower. Uh, but everything else, I need to figure out actually how to get off my plate. Chat GPT just made that way easier for a lot of people, right? And schools that say like, oh, we don't have the money, you know, to hire or whatever. Like, it'll be really interesting how they leverage uh, emerging technology to do things that really uh, isn't in their wheelhouse. Or the best way they create value on their campus, you know, and um, it could free you up to be great on how you were designed to be great. So that's pretty cool. Amen. I think.
0: Amen. I'm looking yeah. forward to how schools are going to empower students to maximize this technology for their own learning, uh, rather yeah. than just uh, like um, like banning it and just saying no. Well, banning is uh, and, stupid. right? It's like everything yeah, that is like, banned. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, so I, I, like, tell me, tell me. No, I, uh, I'll keep things appropriate. Uh, um, I don't want to give the example that went through my mind in terms of, but you know, that you see socially, right? That we ban things that are like social ills or something. And kids are curious, right? And so I, I think you, you just need to teach people and specifically students uh, how to interact with stuff that's just out there in a responsible way. Because if you just ban it and say like, don't do that thing, um, that makes them wanna do it more. That's just, you know, that's my opinion and that's what I see play out. But you asked about like how, how schools could potentially leverage it. Bill Gates wrote uh, one of his Gates letters recently. And I don't know if you caught it, but he talked about schools that are allowing students to use Chat GPT to write the first draft of a paper. Because guess what? They're doing that, whether you allow it or not, right? And then they're trying to turn it in like it's their work. Well, what if we all just assume, have Chat GPT write the first draft, right? And now, because we know what you're doing, the grade and for you to show your understanding. Is to actually fix all the errors and turn it into a way better second draft, and that's the writing process anyway, right? Uh, And so I I think that's a pretty smart approach, you know.
0: Wow! Wow! That that can be a whole episode on on ChatGPT education. Uh, Let's let's go back to this book. Like when. (laughs) What? <laughs> what of the? No, no. It's just like um, uh, Danny's the kind of person you want to um, uh, find in a coffee shop and have conversations for hours for sure. Uh, mm. Danny, in your in your one of the books uh, in yours and the the one of my previous interview with Adam Parent uh, Sheffer, I think the paradigm shift with the very few entry plan books that are out there is that the new ones that like yours and his emphasize on uh, the importance of self-care. And you oh, encourage yeah. principals, right? To eat a healthy meal every day, while yeah. uh, which can be a taboo in many districts. When principals yeah. say, wait, when, when do I have lunch? Um, when do I take my time? Can you tell us more about uh, this concept? You
1: know, I mean, it's just like you can only be great at a handful of things. You also can't be great if you're not doing well just with yourself. I mean, food is fuel, right? There would be no... Just imagine if, if you put the same expectations that are on school leaders, whether it's from a system or because... Everybody else does it this way, you know, or my mentor, they were always busy and they said, you know, skip lunch or just eat on the go. I mean, all this stuff to me again. And I, I, I I'm i just going to be direct. I think it's just silly, you know, it's just silly and stupid. And, and, and honestly, in a very sad way, I think it shows a, a, a very clear lack of respect and regard for yourself, you know? Hey, unless you know something I don't know, Ephraim, we mm-hmm. have this one experience, right? And it's it's not that, that long, you know? I want to maximize and optimize and enjoy the time that I have here. And so Im- imagine taking the same expectations that school leaders experience and putting that on an Olympic athlete, right? Or some kind of your favorite musician, right? or movie director or whatever, like all these people, you know, they have coaches, they take their nutrition and fitness and stuff seriously. And there's clear research too, right? Like, so you you introed this question with food, but let's talk also about sleep, right? Because there's a there's a tool that I share in the um in the book called the Ruckus Maker Mindset Tool. And it was inspired by uh one of my latest coaches, Ron. But essentially, this is just the fundamentals, right? Eating, sleeping, moving, meditating, and unplugging. And if you are cognizant of those things, intentional, uh, try to grow each area a little bit, not be perfect, but okay, I'm kind of eating here, not eating so well. So I want to start making my lunches healthy, right? And so that's just like a tiny step that in an improvement you can make in 90 days. But like with sleep, right? If you are getting less than six hours, of, you know it should be like seven to eight hours, but let's say you're six, five, four hours of sleep per night, a cumulative effect of that is like showing up to work drunk, right? And there's no sane principal who would drink whiskey at seven in the morning and then show up to campus, right? That would be inappropriate, but actually not taking care of your sleep hygiene is you might as well have the whiskey. Yeah. <laughs> to be clear, I'm not telling mm-hmm. you, like, don't drink before we school, right? Absolutely. But, like, that's the same impact in terms of your mental impairment. And the same thing with food, food, right? Like, how do you plan on optimizing and creating the top value you can for your campus? If you're just like, I don't know about you, I get hangry, right? And I have <laughs> to be really careful around that. I'm, I'm, Quite irritable and not very fun to be around, and I'm certainly not making great decisions when I'm super hungry. So, eat. Yeah, you're allowed you to know, eat. It's it's good
0: that you say that because um, what I have seen is that um, somehow strategically schools have a lot of candy and chocolate around, and. Uh, while you are sacrificing all this time for work and school by demonstrating that you don't need to eat and take a moment for yourself, you are walking like a mad person, grabbing candy here and there and, and, and yeah. getting sugary things that all they do is create all these extra complications that people might not see in the moment, but you will feel it immediately and in the long term.
1: Yeah, yeah. In- <laughs> You know, my wife would never come on this show. She's quite private, but she's an epidemiologist, right? So she could get into the science and like really nerd out in terms of the health, the negative health outcomes and determinants that happen within your life. Uh, If you're skipping meals and or just grabbing like candy and that kind of stuff. I mean, you're just you're setting yourself up for a more difficult experience uh, as you age almost on purpose. And I think it's very hard for humans to um, sacrifice and induce, and quote unquote, healthy things in the present uh, and not, you know, to not discount the future impact that that has on us. You know, it's just uh, that is a human challenge for sure.
0: Absolutely. I love that, especially when you consider that the average person retires at 60 to 65, and mm-hmm. depending on how much they have, like you said, in your Ruckus Makers to um, mindset tool, if they have not slept properly, have not eaten properly yeah. and taken time for, yours, for themselves, that means that the 5 to 35 years they have left to live, they are going to leave them in pain.
1: Miserable, and yeah. What,
0: what kind of life is that? Uh, let me ask you, yeah. I got very interested uh, in the Ruckus uh, uh, Maker Mindset tool and the power of meditation. Okay. Can you mm. suggest on how can principals incorporate this uh, during the day and how to share this message with other people, uh, like, like the secretaries that are in your office with you and your teachers? Yeah. Uh, what are your thoughts on this?
1: I think, uh, I think there's space for it. You got to be really savvy and understand the, the makeup of your school system. Um, cause to be quite honest, right. I, uh, I was encouraging. So I took over a school down in Houston and I was encouraging my admin team and even the faculty at large to find a moment within the day to take a quick break. And, uh, and I had my lunch block and meditation, you know, on my calendar to model that. And I was unsavvy. I didn't realize the the political uh, makeup of the, the school district uh, or how that might be received. And that was seen as like, this dude's not working hard. You know what I mean? And uh, I actually got written up and disciplined and like, take meditation off your calendar. Right. Oh, wow. So... <laughs> yeah I know.'t take I care like, of yourself. Wow. <laughs> yeah L- listen I've got lots of stories like that, but i, mm-hmm. I, I I'll keep it to that one. Um, so know you know you, where you are your situation and you don't have to be as foolish as me like I love to be a, like I just lean on the um, spectrum of leadership. I prefer to be transparent, over communicate, no secrets you know that's just how I'm built. Uh, but in this case, it got me in trouble. And, and I eventually took it off my calendar. It doesn't mean I took it out of my day because that's like mm-hmm. a part of me. So anyways, it's not like I was meditating for eight hours and, you know, uh, just did five minutes of work. I wanted like five to 10 minutes after lunch. And I think that's still very appropriate. So it listen. There's great systems. I was visiting uh, one of my clients and dear friends, Demetrius Ball, out in Northern California. And his school, like many schools, have wellness centers these days, right? Wow. And it's a space for where a student or a faculty member who needs to just like pause, you know, there's a safe space to do that. And they have, um, you know, the light is a different kind of light than the industrial complex, like, you know, hospital type lighting in schools. Uh, They had a lot of comfortable places to sit. They had sort of um, uh, different games or sewing and tea. And if you wanted to meditate, they had a space for that. So I thought that was really neat. Um, And so, yeah, I would just encourage, you know, school leader to find five, 10 minutes and It's not, you don't have to sit in a certain type of way. Your legs don't have to be a certain way or your hands. Listen, I'm actually going through a two-year mindfulness and meditation certification program taught by uh, Jack Kornfield and uh, Tara Brock, who brought many of the ideas of meditation and mindfulness from the East to the West back in the 60s and 70s. Uh, And they're my teachers, right? So anyways, going through that program and... If I if I made a case for meditation, why should a school leader meditate? I would say uh, it's going to help you observe more, be less triggered by events that happen. You know, stuff is going to go off script. And if you would benefit from being less reactive, right, And could just say like, oh, I see what's happening here. And I'm not going to bite the hook. Right. And get caught like a fish and all of a sudden lose my mind or say something that I'll regret later or do something that violates my my leadership values. Right. Meditation will help with that. Uh, if you ever have a, a parent come in and they're upset or a teacher. Right. And you're wondering just how to handle meditation helps with that. Calm, peace, clarity, focus, being able to focus. Um. I think it's another way to actually uh, re-energize yourself, like re- like kind of reboot, you know? Uh, we do that with our devices. And so we can do that with our own operating system. And it's it's helped me, I think, just be more content and joyful, right? And uh, appreciative, gratitude. So there's a lot of practices there. And I mean, we can nerd out as much as you'd like, Efrain, and on meditation mindfulness, but that's the case. And then how do you do it? Uh Listen. I would just, I would recommend um, using your breath if that feels comfortable. It's not comfortable for everybody, but for many people, using your breath uh, could be an anchor. And just uh, observing that you breathe in and you exhale, inhale, exhale, and you're actually not controlling that; it's just happening, right? And then just see what else is happening in life, in experience. Oh, that thought is just happening, and then it disappears. Or that emotion, that stress about the thing is right here. But then it actually just disappears and something else comes in. And just like looking at all of that and not necessarily judging it, but just watch, you know, watch the movie of your life.
0: Beautiful. That here, masterclass, incorporate meditation (laughs) any way you can. It could be a, a 30 second thing. It doesn't have to be. Uh, I know many of us will get in trouble if we put that in our calendars, but it is something that absolutely you can find a time for. So, can I add in the... quick, quick, things? yeah, Danny, go I ahead. I'm, I'm go so ahead, sorry. please.
1: So, in, in, it doesn't necessarily have to be sitting, right? You can, you can meditate while you walk, you know? Mm. Uh, and just like you could just tell yourself, okay, left foot touching ground, right foot, you know what I mean? And you can, you can just, it's about being aware of what's happening. And here's one more thing in terms of uh, making a case for meditation. Do you ever feel like you're on just totally automatic and you're doing things unconsciously, right? And like, what have what I been doing for the last hour? Or how did I get here? Meditation helps with that. Like, oh, I'm present. Like, I'm conscious of what's happening. So you, you could walk, you could clean while you meditate. Like, so it doesn't necessarily... Have to be sitting, and uh, I know folks realize that I also have a podcast, Better Leaders, Better Schools, and I'm experimenting, Ephraim, with putting out some guided meditations because it's something I'm mm. getting certified in. And uh, I don't know when the first one released. I recorded it yesterday, but it's like a 14 minute guided meditation, and it's a body and breath scan. And uh, yeah, if people would benefit, wow. you know, check out the show, and that'll be out there for free. So I'm I'm actually. That's one of the things I'm most excited about that I'm doing new, you know, for school leaders. And uh, I would love to know if it's super helpful. Right. So if you if you listen, Efrain, please text me like what you think. For sure. I think that
0: uh, you are really maximizing uh, the opportunities where of where a principal can take things. So thank you so much. I appreciate that. So listeners and viewers, check that out. Guided Meditation. Excelling. Thank you so much, Danny. So Danny, in the book, you use the example of practicing the 85% rule on Olympic runner oh, yeah, Carl yeah. Lewis. Can you share yeah. with us how principals can emulate this 85% rule as a tool to take care of themselves?
1: Yeah, well, first, you know, let's all check in. So we're recording, you know, I know we're streaming live and it's May so all school leaders engaging with this content that Ephraim so masterfully puts together check in with yourself like how are you doing right now right how's your energy and it's it's towards the end of the year and so it's probably quite normal to feel like whoof there's not a lot left in the tank right so the 85% rule will help you have more more in your tank and i you know it's interesting uh, a thread in my work all these things are to to help you you know, as, as just an individual show up and like have more to give and out of that abundance, you know, you could really create and do some uh, pretty cool stuff. But the, the whole idea was uh, Carl Lewis's coach. um, He encouraged him 85% effort, Carl. And that's quite uh, an idea, you know, because he's a sprinter you don't have that much time to win a race <laughs> when you're sprinting, right? Some of these races are done in like under 20 seconds type of thing. Yeah. And um, I, rem- I, I I, watched him when I was younger, right? This was way back. And I, I remember him winning a lot of gold medals. Uh, but when I heard this story, I don't remember his starts. I just know he's such an accomplished athlete. So I guess allegedly, you know, during his um, his storied uh career he would start off these races kind of slow everybody would be out of the gates right and like in a sprint beating him and the the crowd would lose their mind what carl you need to start running right you're gonna lose this race what you're gonna get silver or not oh my gosh a bronze or maybe no medal at all but his coach was so masterful telling him start off 85% and what would happen time and time again all his competition would have less in the tank. And as they were slowing down, he'd be speeding up. Isn't that an interesting idea? Wow. What, wow. If, what if you were actually speeding up right now, hitting your stride in the school year at May? And it wasn't like, oh, let's count the days to the end of the year. But it's like, man, we're, we're actually cranking it up. We're turning it up a notch because we've got more in the tank. And so that's what 85% effort in the 85% rule is all about is to just not not you know let it all hang out in the beginning and just to manage our energy, manage our expectations to leave leave something left over, right? And what you'll find is that you'll you know be able to accomplish so much more. So does that make sense? What am absolutely,
0: absolutely. I love that idea. Um I I thought it was that you are 100% every moment of every day and yeah. and what happens is that you give crappy results in everything that you attempt
1: well i i think you're right you know you can't you can't be perfect at everything and you can't even be perfect right and so something to think about too is uh you know there's there's some things you do in schools and you just have to be smart about it but think about the thing you turn in that you put so many hours in and you never get feedback, right? It was very clearly just a thing to check off because school is a, a bureaucracy, right? It is a big system and there's traditions and things that just need to be turned in and nobody ever really looks. It's just like, <laughs> Ephraim's a good boy. He turned in his thing, right? So now he gets to keep his job but it doesn't change anything about what happens on campus. So you have to start figuring out what are those things. And then 85% effort actually is probably like 20% effort on those, right? You could give a D Absolutely. effort on some stuff because you just turn it in and nobody, you don't get feedback. Like why, why stress over it? But the things that really matter, you got to identify and then put it, put all your effort into that, right? To, to create something special. So it's just being Beautiful. smart about the work. You know what I mean? and Yeah. And you can't yeah, everything's not an emergency, so it's just it's really about priorities, values, you know, this kind of stuff.
0: Well, talking about values, you you mentioned about the importance of the powerful approach of defining your values as a school leader. I was mm. particularly impressed with the purple cow idea from Seth Godin. Can you tell us more uh-huh. about how can principals and school leaders incorporate this concept in the things that we do?
1: For sure, yeah, Seth is such a such an inspiration to me, and I, I consider him as a mentor from afar. It's not like we have coffee or you know, but I, I've Just like uh, me with I've Robin my-
0: Sharma. He's my uh, yeah. um um my crush uh mentor
1: (laughs) yeah okay cool yeah that would be Seth for me for sure i've read all his books i've taken all his courses i did his all-time ba i became a coach for the all-time ba uh but he wrote a book called purple cow and he tells a story and and i've i've made it my own but basically like listen i i I grew up uh in illinois and uh chicagoland area um went to school at University of Illinois and you drive down I-57 South and it's an extremely boring drive, right? Uh, Illinois is already like Northern Illinois. It's it's boring because it's flat, right? So you're driving through a lot of farmland and just from a, a complexity, it's not very interesting in terms of driving. There's no hills and mountains and stuff like that. So anyways, you go through the farmland, you see a lot of soybeans and corn, right? Farms and you see cows. There's black and white spotted cows, there's brown and white spotted cows, but you never ever see a purple and white spotted cow. And Seth's point is if you did, the second you stopped your drive, you would call or at this point text or put on social media, there's purple cows, you know, on the way down to Champaign, Illinois, everybody, you got to see it. And it would become a thing and it would go viral because it's just such an interesting, unique, uh, idea in Cal, and so that's his point, right? How do we create things on in the, in our case, our context on campus that sets us apart from every other school? And that's another thing, right? Like the it's it's pretty typical for all, schools to try to be all things to all people and have all the programs. That would set you apart as a campus if you said, we do these five things great and only these five things. Well, what about the other? Well, that's not our superpower, right? And we understand your kid might be interested in it. And we could uh, even connect you to the school down the street if you want to participate in that program. But these five things, we will make your kid an expert in, right? Is that attractive to you? And so that's purple cow thinking, right? Um, maybe, Maybe it's That you have some sort of like STEM or STEAM program. Uh, Maybe it's like how your school is interacting with AI. Or my friend John, uh, his school in Ventura, California, called Ace Charter School. Literally everything in that school besides the foundation and the beginning four walls of the school uh, was built by the children, right? Because it's an architecture, you know what I mean? Construction engineering school. And so the kids are doing hands-on authentic learning all the time. And uh, they they build everything. That's amazing. That's a purple cow school because everybody else in the community, the kids aren't that hands on, you know, and for the the specific kid that that will work for, that's the place to be, right? So that's how you do purple cow type stuff and live out your values.
0: I love it. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Uh, Danny, uh, why should principals stay away from having an open door policy?
1: Oh, how much time we have? (laughs) (laughs) So I have very few enemies in education. Uh, I I didn't realize we'd be talking about a few of them uh, today. You know, one was like just tradition. Um, That was sort of a meta idea. We've never named it, but you can tell that I want to challenge the status quo. Another one is uh, not taking care of yourself. You know, Uh, a third enemy in education would absolutely be what you just brought up. Right. And so the, the, the challenge there, listen, is that um, I mean, where, where is your focus on this stuff? You know what I mean? Um, I think it's just, it's quite, it's quite a, it's quite a, quite a challenge. And I don't know if that's making sense or not, or if you want me to give more of a specific example um,
0: well, let me give you this example. I, I remember when I started, yeah. um, I said openly in my first meeting, and I have an open door policy,
1: yeah.
0: and very difficult parent A came one day yeah. and said, I'm here to see the principal, and they told her, he's in a meeting. So the parent came the next day at a different time, and yeah. she came, I want to see the principal and they say the principal is supervising lunchroom. And she came on the third day and the fourth day. So in the LSE meeting or the board meeting, she complained that the principal lied because the principal said he had an open door policy yet he is never available. So how can having an open door policy set principles for failure? Question A and question B is how to communicate to your staff and your families, that even though you don't have an open door policy, you have blank. What is the next? What is yeah. the best alternative?
1: Yeah, I should have been way more specific. My first response was not adequate at all. But the the open door policy it sets you up for failure because uh, you know if you're always accessible as a leader, that means you you can't get done what only you can do, right? Uh, And you have a revolving door of priorities, which might not be your own. And it's just like starting your day opening your email, right, which is other people's priorities for you. So it's really hard to accomplish the most important thing in a day by starting your day with email, by having an open door policy. And there's very clear research, too, that uh, you actually can't be effective in, in multitask and when you're starting and trying to get momentum and progress on something, and you stop and switch tasks, it takes, I think, the the residue. They call it residue too. Like that should tell you something. Attention residue. It's like ugh, slime. Afrahim. All right, is it green slime or purple slime or something like that? And anyways, it takes ten to fifteen minutes to get even back to where you were at. So now you're just you're actually just wasting time. You're inefficient you know? And so that's a problem. Um, and you're just in, so basically with an open door policy, you are telling everybody, I want to be a less effective leader. I, I am a less effective leader, right? So is that who you want to be? And if, if that's okay, great. Now, I, I think I understand the counter argument. They people, um, school leaders will say people over paperwork, right? Have you heard that before? Yes. So people over paperwork, I agree. People matter more than paperwork, right? But you have to have some leadership boundaries because if you, again, investigate your experience as a school leader, if you feel depleted or you're you're, on empty, if you resent, that's a strong word. Some school leaders resent that they haven't seen their family in God knows how long, right? Or you have children, you know? Oh, you missed the uh, performance or the sports game, right? And that'll happen. Being a school leader is demanding, but you don't have to miss your kid's entire life. I had a school leader, I won't mention her name. Mm -hmm. She admitted to me, Danny, I'm a better mom to my students than to my own children, right? What's going on there? you're working too many hours you're too accessible so what's the alternative it's not a closed door policy and people they don't listen to my entire message right and so this is like oh daddy says no open door policy I, i'm never accessible <laughs> well door. if you do that you're yeah yeah it's not a closed door policy it's a here's when i'm available policy right and why is that because i care so much about this school and your kid and all the students, that I have to, at times, close my door to do only what a principal does. And just like you, I have a family that I love, right, and honor, and really prioritize. And if I'm going to have a relationship with said family, I actually can't work 24 hours, seven days a week. And so it's just, these are choices, These are choices. And again, priorities. Right. You show me your bank account. You show me your calendar. I know everything, everything I need to know about you because they reflect your priorities. Amen. Very
0: well said. Thank you so much, Um, Danny. uh, In the book, uh, again, you need to read this book, guys, because it's really going to drive you to the point. Danny shares a blueprint on a get to know you survey that I will for oh. sure still verbatim in my new school now <laughs> in the fall. So thank you, Danny. You made my work so yeah, much yeah. easier. Can you share with the listener- Thank you. Can you share with the listeners and viewers of the show what is this survey about? What is the purpose and the expected outcomes of what to do with the results of that
1: survey? So I was was talking to one of my private clients that I coach one-on-one, awesome leader down in Virginia. And part of the survey is, well, let me tell you what he was going to do. He was going to go in, give the State of the Union address, you know, and like deep dive into data and all all that stuff's important. And I'm sure you're going to do that at some point as a school leader. And I was like, whoa, whoa, man, like that's you're going to do that. What kind of culture do you want to have? Do you want to communicate at all who you are? Do you want to show people that you care about them? <laughs> right. And, uh, and, and, and here's some invitations, some activities you might do, right, to, to uh, deliver on that goal. I don't know about you, Ephraim, but, you know, I would tell the classroom teacher, hey, no assessments, no homework, you know, during the first week. Take that time to really just build relationships with your students. And yet, as a principal, right, we do all the opposite of what we tell our teachers. We one size fit all, (laughs) just talking at you, staff development. uh, And we don't get to know our staff like as humans. And so my approach with the survey, uh, and then I give also a script and questions you can ask for one-on-one sit-downs. But it's it's really to explore who are you? Who are you, Ephraim? You know, I'm interested in that. And understanding your your life outside of school, because that's important. Do you have a family? Tell me about your kids. What are your hobbies? Like, what are you into? If you weren't teaching, what would you be doing? Like these kind of things, like you get to know. And this is all data. And if you sort of are aligned with what I've been sharing for the last hour. And you think I have some stuff that will benefit you, you know, collecting this data and then doing something with it is going to build a stronger culture on your campus. So if I know that Ephraim is into a certain thing and I follow up on that topic, right, what's that going to communicate? Oh, Danny's listening. He cares, right? And so, you know, if I know you're into running, maybe I get you running gear. If I have some you know, discretionary funds, maybe I just check in. Maybe I say, hey, there's a 5K in two months. You want to run it together. Let's both sign up, right? So, I mean, th- there's all sorts of ways that you could go about it, but it's really just getting to know your people at a deeper level. And I, I really assert that your staff only cares about two questions, right? Does my leader like me or care about me, number one? And number two, am I doing a good job? If you can answer both of those questions and people know where they stand, I think you're going to have a much stronger school culture, right? But in the absence of knowing those answers, oh, this guy, he, he doesn't like me, he doesn't respect me. You know what I mean? Uh, yes. Who knows how I'm doing? Maybe I'll start looking for another job on a different campus, you know? So answer these questions for your people. That's all they care about.
0: I, you know, I, like I said, my, my, what advice do you have for me? So my, my thinking is that I have been meeting the faculty already. The new district has been so awesome of bringing me yeah. in like months before I start. Right. Um,
1: congrats on the new role. That's thank exciting. you.
0: Thank you. Uh, so I, I have been preparing this survey to send them. Um, yeah. I'm not sure yet if I'm going to do it before the school year ends or right when I start. I started in August 1st. Um, My question is, when I meet one-on-one with the staff member already having this survey, so I'll be able to say, oh, Danny, I know you you like horses, right? I will have all this information. How long should that meeting be? Should be a half-hour meeting, 10-minute meeting, one-hour meeting, uh, uh, what is your advice on, on having that one-on-one follow-up conversation with each staff member?
1: Well, let me tell you what I did. That was a mistake and the, you can learn from that. But I, I think also it, it's a function of how big your staff is, right? Cause the guy mm. in Virginia that I was talking about, he has 500 staff. <sighs> Whoa, it's a big, that's a big staff. So, yeah. uh, we, we, we said in, in here, and this is actually another tip. You didn't ask for it, but you're going to get it. And nice. the listener is going to benefit too. Um, you have a lot of power as a school leader and realize like you get to, in many ways, decide what game you're playing, right? Not in terms of standardized test scores and AP, like there's there's certain dates that things need to be done. But he had in his mind, I need to meet with people by July 1st. Right. And I was encouraging him to not just meet with instructional staff, meet with custodians and, you know, folks uh, in the cafeteria and every adult in the building. Well, that's going to be virtually impossible by July 1st. So what if you held that uh, deadline lightly or loosely? Okay, I'll meet with a representative body of the staff by July 1st. But I'll keep meeting until October 1st. And now the stress and pressure is gone. So that's kind of like a meta tip I want to share is sometimes we um, define rules that just make things harder for us. And we can like, oh, what if I look at it this other way? You asked about like how long. um, And I said I would share a mistake that I made. The mistake was not the length of meetings. The mistake was that I did them all, not all, all. But I had a portion of the day that were back to back to back without buffers in between. And I found my energy really deplete. And I was just like really less present and, um, yeah, distracted and tired, you know, for people that met with me later. And that wasn't cool. So I would have put more buffer, you know, in between. So I think it depends on the size of the staff. An hour to me feels pretty long. Um, I would probably keep it somewhere between like 15, and 20 minutes or so, uh, in some of the, some of the stuff, right. If you follow and if you go get the book, build leadership momentum, if you do, the questions are in there. And then there's a, a resource guide too, uh, which has everything you could just download, right. And throw it into a Google form or whatever survey of choice. Um, but another thing that, that this guy in Virginia wanted to do was have the one-on-ones on. What should we keep doing, right? What should we start doing that we're not doing yet? What should we stop doing? And that's a very common protocol. And I I thought that it's a pretty good discussion to have one-on-one, but I thought it was a missed opportunity. That you could very ask at scale on a survey because it's not personal. And then use the time, like Efrain, I noticed you mentioned these things and now I have follow-up questions. So you're going deeper, which is cool, and you're efficient with your time. And now you could also focus on the personal side of things during the one-on-one as well. The other question that I love on the um, staff survey, especially if you're new to a building like you will be, what do you wanna know about the principal? That's a key question, right? And people are gonna ask and, you know, depending on your leadership style, you know, if nothing's off the table, answer that stuff. People are going to like really love that. Okay, cool, now I know who this person is. Um, The other question that I I really like is if you were me, what would you focus on this year? Now you're seeing if there's any type of consistency, but, you know, among the staff, like, okay, this is a real issue because 40% of my staff says so, or I have 500 staff and I got 500 priorities. That tells me something different about the campus. So that's a good question to ask as well.
0: Beautiful. You know, now that you say that, um, you mentioned the example of uh, the walk type of leadership. Can <laughs> you tell us about the issue of initiative fatigue and how we can overcome it
1: as school leaders? Well, I, I think, you know, as school leaders, you st- again, about choosing edges, being aligned to values, sticking to priorities, and uh, the interesting thing thing about priorities, uh, I saw from, uh, I think it was Simon Sinek, or no, it wasn't. It was from uh, Greg McCune from uh, Essentialism. But they put on Twitter, like, the word priorities is like a modern invention of language. It was always priority, one thing, one focus. So that's really important. Um, but I would say, hey, what what are those three to f- five things tops that you're going to focus on? If you do any, any more than that, uh, you're not going to be able to do it well, and people are just going to get tired. The other the other thing that school leaders really need to guard them against is um, just being sort of a blow in the wind type of leader and like, oh yeah, now we need to do this. Now we need to do that, right? And that gets people like really frustrated, you know? So if, if you want to make your staff mad, <laughs> change directions every <laughs> month, right? And And I... I don't know if that's boredom. Uh, I don't know if that's uh, a systems thing where the central office is like, okay, and that that's a bigger problem because you, you might have less control. But if you want to be extremely successful as a school leader, have the courage and strength to say, this is the direction and we're sticking to it, right? That doesn't mean be inflexible, you know, and, and not allow pivots to happen, but it's not just like, like I said, blowing in the wind, like, you know, whatever's, whatever's happening type of leadership.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much. You have a framework for the four steps on instructional leadership. Can you walk us through Uh, uh, this, this model?
1: Yeah, for sure. Let me pull it up in the book because I have to even remind myself what I (laughs) created there. But uh yeah. And, you know, shout out to my co-author because it's uh, this book was a team effort. So uh, Ariel really took the lead here. Uh, but you'll see in the book in terms of instructional leadership, it just follows uh, a, a four part structure, which is gather data. Right. And so, you know, a lot of times they say data rich, information poor. So be, be smart about how much data you collect in. The data you collect should be the reason like you're trying to get to a certain goal or outcome or answer a very specific question, right? And therefore, if you define that kind of stuff, you don't need every bit of data. You need data that answers the question, right? So gather data from there, set some goals, Uh, you know, and again, three to five is always sort of the sweet spot, definitely no more than five. And then third step, empower your team, right? So we've gathered data, we've set goals. All right, everybody, if this is the direction we're headed in and we're all on the same page there, how do we accomplish it? Right. That feels pretty good to be a part of that conversation. And then it's measuring the impact. So you've gathered, you've set goals, you've empowered the team, you've started to execute. Have we achieved the thing that we're uh, attempting? And if yes, cool. Do we want to continue? If no, what adjustments need to be made? Or if no, do we need to abandon this altogether? Because it wasn't, we weren't trying to answer the right question. So that's the uh, the four part framework that I had to look. Beautiful.
0: <laughs> I, I, I love it that you you have all these models on how to think about things because it really facilitates uh, because our brains are like a a bowl of chips. You know, and you had to look yeah. for the one chip that you need for each item and it's beautiful that you have all these models so thank you uh, so much uh, let's take a very quick pause to praise the Teach Better community
1: this podcast is
0: a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network, better today better tomorrow and the podcast to get you there, explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com now let's get back to the episode Okay, in the book, you suggest that principals dropping notes offering encouragement and positive feedback to the faculty and staff. Can you share some advice on when these positive notes ultimately have to provide actual constructive feedback that is conducive to change? And I'm asking this because what I have noticed trying to emulate this practice practices that you start the year and you come in in each classroom and you give these positive notes and everybody, uh, I used to have these notes and I would say a note from Dr. Martinez and I would leave very something very nice and suddenly nice. one day you have to say, hey, I noticed six out of the 24 students were not engaged at all. Can you tell me, right, and all of a sudden, that positive and that love for the principal greatly diminish. So I'm always wondering uh, what is the best way to provide feedback without offending people? But uh, tell me your thoughts about this.
1: I think that's fine. You know, honestly, that's going to happen. And that's part of the role of school leader is you're signing up for delivering uh, feedback that can be difficult. But think about what it's rooted in, right? If, if it's rooted in, you know, shame and tearing people down and that kind of stuff and just being nasty, well, that's not, you know, cool at all. But if you really have a hope that this, lead, you know, this teacher leader can aspire to something even better and have greater impact in the, in the classroom, I think that's great, right? And so... Check in with yourself. Again, a lot, a lot of what I teach is like, okay, look within. And if you have that good intention, um, have the courage to deliver it. Now, I would also encourage a second book, you know, after you buy Build Leadership Momentum, check out Radical Candor by Kim Scott. That was a mastermind favorite. When I say that, I mean the leaders we support in our community, you know, we, we we read a leadership book every two months and they loved Radical Candor. She gives a grid and that's why um, frameworks are so useful because people can memorize and here I am I'm teaching Kim's work and it's not even my own. But on one axis is the um, continuum of how much you care or not. And then the other axis is a continuum of how direct you are or not direct, right? And the sweet spot is having high compassion and high directness, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, over time, like that's, that's radical candor. Um, and then there's all the other areas, but anyways, uh, I think you just, you gotta, you gotta give it no matter what, you know, cause people need to grow, that's, that's your job is to support their growth. So I think there's a ratio involved too. So just, uh, find ways to be positive and, and find things to highlight and encourage more than, um, challenging uh so that when you do challenge that it lands a little bit better so um i don't know if that's helpful the other thing i would say too because okay the other thing i wanted to say on that topic is just um uh in like leverage your team right and if you're lucky enough to have admin assistant support they can help you keep track of whose classroom you've been in or not who's received notes, who hasn't so that that's one less thing that you should be managing and tracking as a school leader. but most school leaders probably own that and do it themselves. And that's unless your superpower is just logistics, like you know give that off, give that away. Have your have your admin assistant say Ephraim, here's the five teachers you need to see today, right And uh, I've even on your calendar, I found some great times to visit their classrooms. And now you can just go do that because only you can provide that feedback as principal. But guess what? Uh, Your admin assistant can tell you where to go. That's not something only you can do. So hopefully that's helpful too.
0: Absolutely. Uh, Danny, how can principals empower teams? And I'm asking this because at some point I thought the principal had to lead everything. So what are your thoughts on this?
1: don't need everything (laughs) you you set me up for that but i mean distribute your leadership right Uh, i think part of it is like doing different assessments maybe it's the the colby a assessment is really great that's basically your your natural way of showing up at work and solving problems strength finders assessment you know there's different assessments figure out your your um, strengths of your team and put people in positions where they can really shine uh, or figure out, right? When I took over a building, uh, like I said, down in Houston, uh, the APs kind of had been in certain buckets of work forever, and that wasn't making them any better, right? They had hopes, dreams, and aspirations for the next step in their career. And so I I changed that around so they got more experience, right, to do things that would be um, uh, beneficial, right, on their resume and interviewing and just experience in general. Uh, so knowing their strengths, I think that's that's important. Um, putting them in, in places to shine, you know, is obviously really pretty cool. Uh, and then just including them in the process. You know, I wrote a post online that really went crazy. I I stopped counting, but there were like thousands of engagements, like likes and hearts. And that doesn't happen often. So this tells me mm-hmm. something. And then uh, there were a ton, like hundreds of shares, right, and comments. But essentially I gave people a five minute, um, protocol for improving your school. And essentially you just have people write down, like, what are all the things that need to be fixed, you know, within the school. And that can be hard to hear as a school leader. Um, so that's like step one, step two is then have people share. Okay. What are some processes or things we need to fix? And it's really, really, really important that you over communicate if you, um, if Ephraim says, here's one thing to fix, if you have that same thing on your list, don't tell me it. It's already, we've already collected it, right? Because it's about being efficient. And and, uh, so if you have one less thing to say, or if that means by the time you're last and everybody said everything on your list, just say everything's been said, right? So be really clear on that and hold people accountable to it. Um, Make sure that you collect everything. So whether that's on a Google Doc or a whiteboard or however you want to take notes, then as the leader, not as a group, because you are hired to lead. So make some decisions, dear leader, Uh, prioritize all the stuff that you've collected, what needs to get fixed first through 50th. And then at every other leadership meeting, say, hey, team, we're going to spend 15 minutes uh improving this one thing not 10 things not 20 not 5 not even 2 we're in impo- improve this one process or this one way of doing things at our school and that's a really empowering way to leverage your team right because Absolutely. now it's like wow we're each meeting we're making momentum we're improving the school every single time we come together and that's exciting too, because often meetings are just kind of boring, dull, and suck. You know, you, mm-hmm. like they're just not that great. But if we feel like we're making the school better every time we come together, that's exciting. That's something I want to be a part of. And because you're hearing people's voice and they're doing the work right there, right? School improvement work right there. That's a great way to empower the team. Beautiful. That's the
0: purple cow we must look for. Thank you so much, Danny. Hey, Danny. Wo- Why is it essential to measure intangible gains?
1: Ah, Well, I think like, listen, we're already, you know, um, evaluating and tracking and monitoring the progress and all the other stuff, but wouldn't it be fun to like, I don't know, how much joy is experienced on campus, right? How much fun do, do we have here, you know? And so I think those those type of things that are sort of out of the box but lead to a, a happy school, a happy campus, a happy culture, um, f- you know, and maybe it's through like a, a Likert, you know, or Likert. I forget how to pronounce that. But you remember, like, strongly disagree to strongly agree. Like, yeah. you, can measure, you can ask those things, right? And just check, like, it's a pulse. It's kind of like a pulse survey. Just getting the temperature of the building. Uh, but the business of school, that's all – ultimately very important Um, but that's not the only reason people are there in schools such as such a great social experiment in bringing people together you know they say I, i mentioned this in my first book like disney should not be the happiest quote unquote happiest place on earth it should be schools period you know it's not mickey that makes it the happiest place on earth it's the children every school has the kids so we might not have the rides and all that kind of stuff and the characters but we have the imagination, right? Let's let's measure that kind of stuff.
0: Amen. On page 47, you mentioned about the difference between staff feeling that they, they belonging versus othering concepts. And I thought oh, that was okay. very instrumental uh, for principals uh, to keep in mind that... Um, the people that work for us or working our team, they want to feel that they belong. Can you share mm. your thoughts on that concept?
1: Yeah, well, you know, in, in the Mastermind book, I talked about the ABCs of powerful professional development and uh, B is all about belonging, right? And people want to feel connected. And what builds connection? You know, trust for sure. And trust, uh, according to research, is, is built. You earn it through uh, developing positive relationships, right. Uh, by basically wisdom, you know, like, like this show, but good judgment, it doesn't mean that you're always right or that your decision, like you have to separate decisions and process from outcomes. There's sometimes that you have a perfect process and, or, or a sound process and the results still, because it's ultimately out of your control, isn't what you wanted. And you have to separate yourself from that. And that builds trust. Okay. Did my leader have my best interests in mind when he or she made the decision? Right. And then the last piece of trust is um, consistency do what you say you'll do. You know what I mean? So that's trust. Uh, Google researched, right, all their teams. I don't remember what year, but obviously it's a lot of people, it's a big sample size. And they wanted to know what made the highest performing teams. The most successful? Was it that they all had A player talent? Uh, was it that they worked harder, longer hours, or whatever? No. What they found is that they had psychological safety. So, trust, safety, these kind of things help people connect, help people feel like they belong. And it, inc- inclusive environments is important too, right? Do I see and hear you like who you really are? You know, all that you bring to the table uh, from your gender identity to you know, your, your cultural background, all that kind of stuff. Right. And so that just matters. And you, yeah, again, bringing um this uh, leader I coached in uh, Virginia, I said, do this activity. And I learned it from uh, Dr. Susie wise in, in Stanford, but it's just a mind map. So every leader do this activity in the beginning of the year, what is belonging, right? Put that in the middle, draw a circle around it. What is othering? In the middle, draw a circle. You have butcher paper, you know, it's on the whiteboard, it's on a Google Doc, whatever. And then have people just draw off of it, like, what does belonging feel like, right? How do they experience it? What does othering feel like, look like, sound like? And now you've just defined the kind of building you want to create. I mean, there would be no, I hope there'd be no teacher saying like, oh, yeah, we want this othering type of school. (laughs) No, we (laughs) want to create like this school where we feel connected, where you feel valued, where there's there's dignity, you know, involved. And so, and if it's a common definition, right, now in all those moments, whether it's a classroom observation, um, just, you know, the impromptu connection in the hallway, like Ephraim, I, I saw that you, you know, did this with the students and um, like complimented, I don't know how they did certain things. I bet they feel like just so great about that, right? Thanks for taking time out of your day to notice that awesome thing that you did with the student and foster a sense of belonging on campus, right? Or, hey, I noticed that you were a little short with them, right? Or use this word, right? What did that? Tell me more. And was that more belonging or othering? You know what I mean? And so you can be you can be uh, uh, facilitating a really awesome environment on your campus all the time just from that one activity.
0: Beautiful. You know, um, this it is so important that principals have people on board. And uh, one of the great suggestions that you have is that you have to have these continuous celebrations and you give the example of the the process on how to have teacher or staff of the month. Can you share with the listeners and the viewers that example, which I thought it was majestic because it takes away from... The principal is selecting the favorites, uh, but the peers are the ones who are. Uh, what are, can you share with us that idea? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I've done this in a number of schools. I mean, hopefully you have a culture team. So the culture team ultimately will make the decision and vote. But, you know, this is again, like maybe as a purple cow, it's just common sense to me. And not every school does this, do this as a school. So, uh, staff member of the month award. And notice I said staff, not teacher of the month. And that means every adult, right, in the building is on the survey. So could be selected and could be the winner. We've had, you know, in the past, I've had security guards and uh, hall monitors, right, win um, the staff member of the month. And that's awesome. So uh, person filling out the survey, their name, drop down of all staff, uh, what value did they live out, right? So now you have an option for the person filling out the survey, okay, value X, Y, or Z. You might even include, and I would, a, dis- a short description of what the value is and what it means. Um, they pick that value, right? And then an open-ended question, how did they live out or demonstrate that value? So now you get to hear specifically because specific praises matter, you know, it matters. Um, how did they demonstrate it? And anything else you'd like us to know, right? So now you have who did the survey's name you have the staff member's name, the value they lived out, how they lived it out and anything else. And the the key, the key step there is um, to have the culture team vote, right? And it's cool, right? Depending on, do you want a plaque? Do you want a gift card? Do you want to do anything silly around it? Um, and somebody wins, but here's, this is the secret. This is the power of what I'm teaching here. Everybody that's been nominated create a certificate, right? For every single person, everybody won. And I used to, I actually used to pay my mother. I would give her the (laughs) survey responses and I would pay my mom because she was retired living down in Florida at the time. And she would create the certificate for every teacher in my building, or excuse me, every staff member. And then you put those in the mailboxes and it said, okay, Ephraim, you might not have one staff member of the month, but you have literally, you might have three or five or ten or one, I don't know. But if if ten people nominated you, you'd get ten certificates. You would know the kid, the. And I'm sorry, I didn't um, make this clear. So your your entire staff can vote, all your students, your parents and stakeholders, right? So on their on that form, it said the person's name who nominated you, why they picked you, what they appreciate about you, and anything else. On a monthly basis, I did this. And what was really interesting is that people would then, I mean, that was all over everybody's office or classroom and the other kind of like secondary consequence that was great. Some people sometimes might not get a nomination, right? And now you have to, they have to think about what's going on there, Right. That somebody that don- won't even nominate you because probably, maybe you're just like negative energy or you know what I mean. So it was a it was a gut check for some people. You need to bring it. You lost your you lost your passion. You forgot your why. And in as a result, you're just this thing <laughs> talking to kids, mm-hmm. and nobody's a pre- like you have no connection. And so and you didn't have to deliver that tough feedback to the teacher or the counselor or whoever, right? The lack of nominations said it all. Meanwhile, your colleague has 20. Maybe that you can learn is, about their approach. That you is know? a, a so.
0: golden apple advice on yeah. how to maximize recognition in the building and also uh, a feedback providing tool that you don't have to master but everybody in the community will of the people that never get a, a nomination. What a great advice. Um, Let me ask you a productivity question uh, uh, in the book that you mentioned that is like, should principals schedule email during the school day and if so, uh, meaning if the principal is not gonna be with their you recommend take away the email from the phone. If if principals aren't gonna be during the day with the phone and the email, how can principals communicate this to their teachers and, and team in a way that is conducive to positive outcomes?
1: Well, you know, it's just like the open door policy. If you're constantly on email, there's just no way you're creating the most value for your campus, right? Like whether it's a CEO of a company or the CEO of a school uh, you are not creating anything of legacy or ultimate significance via email. And again, it's just other people's priorities. So personally, when I teach like creating an ideal week and how you want to spend your time as a school leader, uh, I recommend scheduling that time on your calendar, you know, and maybe there's a morning block and the an afternoon block, but that not constantly doing email. Like, if you're doing email, you're not doing classroom observations. You're not building relationships. You're not, you know, whatever, ensuring the safety of campus. And so it's just, it's it's something we have to learn to live with. It's there, it's never going away, right? But it's just ultimately like not very, it's important, but not the most important, right? Um, I also teach and I, I've successfully mentored a few principals too again, to leverage their admin assistants who can just check their email, provide a summary of everything that happened. And then you can dictate a response in like about 10 to 15 minutes and essentially get your email down to like 30 minutes per day if you check in with your admin assistant twice, right? Because they can sort, sift and filter most of the junk that you get, you know, here's a few parents, a few teachers, you know, students or whatever. How do you want to respond? And if you train your admin assistant, like here's typically how we handle these things, they don't eventually, you know, they can handle that and say, um, I'm replying on behalf of the principal, but here's how we handle the stuff here. And again, protecting you from what you could only do as a principal. And that's certainly not just checking email. So that's that's my approach, you know, to that bane of our existence. <laughs>
0: great, great approach. You know, in Gmail, they have in the... G chat that is like a texting feature right Uh, that on one hand it facilitates communication but on the other hand it never lets you focus in what is in front of you
1: hmm. yeah definitely i mean all, all that stuff listen all of it's designed to keep you on the platform and they have a pay a bankroll of like you know, millions of dollars of neuroscientists that know how the human brain works and what it responds to. And that's why we see the epidemic too, right, of uh, our poor children and the negative impact that social media is having on them because they're not fully developed and they're like all of a sudden like at scale comparing themselves, not only to just kids on campus, right, but how do I measure up to everybody in the world, right? And there's something wrong with my nose and my eyebrows. And, you know what I mean? School, yeah. growing up is tough enough. Now social media, like, oh God, it's 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 almost ruined our children. But as an adult, listen, you don't have the willpower. Like you just don't have the willpower to say no. And so you have to have those boundaries where it's not even a choice. Like, do I engage or for how long? It's just I'm removing that from me. So, that could be more more effective as a leader. Again, they know what to do to keep you on. Ooh, the notifications. 10 people liked my post. I'm now important. Like, oh, it feels so good. (laughs) Right? Yeah. No, like, who cares? But it's just really hard Mm -hmm. to resist. Beautiful.
0: Uh, Danny, can you share with us what resources can the readers of your book find? there and uh, how can we find your book?
1: Yeah, so if you go to buildleadershipmomentum.com, uh that will redirect you to a page where you can purchase the book if you're interested in that. So that would be super cool and I think you'd find it really helpful if you liked anything, you know, we talked about today. Uh in terms of what's on there resource wise, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff and like right now um, We're obviously live. It's May 20th, depending on when somebody engages with this. I have some bonuses until May 23rd, which includes an autographed copy of the print books, which should be starting to print next week. Uh, You get a special video training, even though the book's about how to start the school year off, right? Powerfully. Uh, I have an end, end of the school year training that you can enjoy. Uh, Fillable PDF, right, with your entry plan, plus the filled out PDF of the entry plan template. I have a 12-month principal checklist. So here's all the things to be on your mind. And not only um, that, there's a blank area for campus specific because every campus is going to be a bit different. And then what worked this month? and What do you want to change? Now you have a protocol and a system for capturing, right, and improving for next year. It only takes five minutes. Right. Let me reflect on the month. What worked? What do I want to change? So that's a really pretty cool uh, checklist. And that's for everybody that buys a copy. If you buy five copies, um, then I'll do a coaching call with you. And if you buy 25 copies, you can have a special VIP day with me in Syracuse. Well, we're going to do a live mastermind um, uh, in the morning. We're going to hike around Green State, um, excuse me, Green Lakes State Park here in New York, Uh, do a guided meditation out in nature, which is fun for me, and uh, afternoon individual coaching sessions. That's limited to 10 people, and two people have already um, taken advantage of that. So that'll be fun. That's on August 12th. So, yeah, there's a bunch of bonuses that you could download and trainings and stuff, and all for the price of a book 10 or 15 bucks, right? So wow. I'm really trying to over-deliver there.
0: Uh, uh, we are lucky to have you, Danny. I think uh, you're on mute, uh,
1: I can't hear you for some reason.
0: Am I? Let me see. You can hear me? You can hear me? Huh. What happened here? Let's see. What about now? What about now? No. Okay, so wait, Um, we cannot hear Danny, but this has been a great interview. We are so grateful to have Danny as a guest in our show. Um, Some audio issue is happening, uh, but I'm sure Danny is also thankful of being here. Um, And that is all for today. Peace and calm. Thank you for listening to Wisdom and Productivity, the podcast of Dr. Eparin Martinez. Chulo. And the
1: head of production, Chulo out.